A graphic novel, a TV show Well, it's not TV, it's HBO And will this thing succeed? And by how much, man? Some might cheer and some might scoff Because it's Damon Lindelof But either way we're off To watch some Watchmen Watching Watchmen Talking Watchmen Analyzing Watchmen And maybe arguing over Watchmen, we just watched Watchmen, the first episode of Watchmen. That's what we watched, that's what you watched, and now you're listening to us watching you watching us. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And this is Watchmen Watch. Now, in our podcast, if this is your first time tuning in, we have spent the past 12 plus episodes recapping, recounting, breaking down Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, the original comic that has inspired the HBO show. So go back, listen to those if you like. But this episode, this is uh, almost our official first episode. We're pivoting. Yeah, yes. we're pivoting hard to video. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is, uh, it was I a great idea. Did pivot. you just get sick? I just got sick to my stomach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Jesus. Uh, motion sickness is a thing, man. No, no I know. No, we're no, standing so is, still. This is journalism sickness yeah. is what <laughs> Justin just gave me. But we are going to be talking yes. about the first episode of the pilot of the HBO show. This is directed by Nicole Cassell. It's written by Damon Lindelof. This is, I think we could firmly say this now, this is a sequel to Watchmen. There yes. was a lot of questions about that, wondering about that, where exactly yeah. it would be set, when it would be set, what it would be picking up on. But what I want to talk about first, and we are going to recap the plot of the episode, we're Indeed. going to talk about specific scenes, but there's two things that I want to discuss before we get into it. First thing, how necessary, now that we've seen the first episode, do you think for anybody tuning into this podcast for the first time, it was to actually read Watchmen? And then the second part is just overall impressions of the episode. I mean, I don't think it's not 100 percent necessary, but this show is so confident in telling its story without saying giving you any background info on what they're talking about which is very hbo yes like that that's sort of a tried and tested thing with hbo where they just throw you into a world and you're like catch up bro yeah like a random scene of uh, tiny squids raining from the sky with no explanation why <laughs> and that wasn't in the watchman movie which is i feel like how a lot of people will come to this material if they haven't read the comic yeah that's pretty intense to be like Oh, cool. I don't need to know uh, anything about uh, calamari from heaven. Yeah, I definitely think it's like one of those things that there are little layers like the comic book where if you're paying attention or if you know the material, you're enjoying it a little bit more. They're definitely not explaining it. They're definitely not slowing things down. Uh, but yeah, it's very much if you know that it's very much uh, more enjoyable. Uh, another whole like ooh, cool moment. I think that's a good point, Peter. This is something that we talked about a lot with the comic book itself that people forget about when they talk about Watchmen the comic book. That first and foremost, it's a pretty good mystery. You know, the, yeah. that's the spine of the story. That's what you're following. There's a lot more going on, a lot of different layers, as you said. But I think that's one of the things that this episode captures really well is that it sets up 
I, I assume, based on one hour of the show, this overarching mystery, this question, this conflict that we're going to follow. But there are all these other bits of the world, plus these visual reverberations from the comic book that you could either pick up on that make it a richer experience or not, and you can just watch the show. Well, and just like the way a lot of people are like, my first comic I ever read, Watchmen. I loved it. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's crazy. Because so much of Watchmen, the comic book, is responding to comic books and superheroes as a genre. So I think you can follow on the uh, the mystery of the Watchmen graphic novel and the comic book series and enjoy it, but it's so much deeper. And the reason why it is treated as this, like, pedestal level like the best comic of all time is because of its layers and it's responding to the comic book industry as a whole yeah. and i think the tv show is a is doing a already a great job of carrying that idea on it's responding to superhero comics but also superhero tv shows and giving us this next layer this uh version of it that has this dark side that the comic book brought to the comic book industry as well as just like a whole depth of understanding when it comes to the comic book and superheroes in general. Now, this is, to that point, this is the first TV show I've ever seen. Do you think that's an issue? I've never watched TV Oh, before. wow. This is, a, this is a bad way to do it, guy. No, it's good. So no, this, no, 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 this no. is my first episode. No, it's you very should... surprising because I've really only looked at books before. Oh, So man. it was weird. Those people, they you were... Should... In the TV? They you should were, yeah. crawl first before you start running, man. No. Like, you've okay. got to no, slow I'm right, this down. I'm, I'm right in. No, I'm no. raising my children to not move until they are dead sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it's hard to orchestrate that, but oh, we're doing man. a great job. Wow. You impressive. just you hold them on a bicycle and slowly lower their feet to the ground, and then you just whoo hoo wow. scoot off. Wow. Um, That's so insane. If this is your first TV show, I should tell yeah. you, this is a situational comedy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, okay. wait if I may. filmed in front of a live studio Yes, exactly. That's right. You need to start with something a little bit easier. Start with Alf. First, start with Alf. That's a good base, and then you wow. can watch That's this. even crazier advice. <laughs> I gotta say, it's crazy seeing this is your first show. Seeing Alf is like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's how television is made, and right. then you can see. I yeah. mean, uh, okay, all bits aside, you could see where the seeds of Alf led directly to <laughs> Exactly. Chart the course. Come on, conspiracy theorists. I mean, there's Break a lot down. of stuff about, uh, like, if you think about it, a lot of this is a cat's perspective. You know, squids fall <laughs> from the sky. Cats would love that. Ooh, uh, uh, Alf from the cat's perspective. Yeah, Always yeah. sort of a drama, gritty drama. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah, yeah. He hunts us at night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All we have are these songs from yeah. Tum Tugger. <laughs> Uh, so I think we firmly established that you don't need to have read Watchmen, but it certainly is a helpful, nice layer to the TV show. And to that point, I think you, it helps to have watched superhero TV shows yes. uh, before you come into this as well, because... That gives you, like, uh, this show already in the first episode breaks the format so much. Yeah. And doesn't, we don't get any origin stories. Uh, we don't get, like, this is my city. Uh, this is, it's, like, set in Tulsa, a city that is <laughs> about as plain from the, like, from most people's understanding, I would think, as it gets. But they, out of, right out of the gate, add a ton of, like, horrifying history to it and, and really put you in there. So I guess I'm saying, similar to the comic book, watch a couple superhero shows, and then get into this. Well, that's something that we talked about with the preview episode of our podcast that I was super happy about with this episode, uh, that all apologies to anybody who did like the Watchmen movie, but I felt like it was missing the point there because it was a movie adaptation of Watchmen, which is a comic book responding to comic books. This, to the point that you're making, Justin, this is a TV show 
that is responding to superhero media. And that's very clear from the way that they mix in di- different types of film, different aspect ratios. And one little uh, caveat that I'll put here that's a little bit of a bummer, I've seen the pilot a couple of times now. I, I saw it at New York Comic Con, which we talked about a bit of... break. Uh, no, no, I just walked into the panel and I watched it. It wasn't... Uh, just humble. Yeah, just humble. Okay. <laughs> Very humble. Just doing a good job. They're watching it on a laptop the way that we watched it. Uh-huh. I mean, you can imagine it takes a lot away, but... There are frame rate things that they're doing, particularly at the beginning, that are missing if you're not watching it on the biggest screen as possible. Uh, and during oh. the Tulsa section... I watched this on my Apple Watch. Oh, oh smart. <laughs> smart, dude. Yeah, I didn't know it was available for that. I uh, Yeah, uh, I, I just, watched I it just on my TI-85 <laughs> graphic calculator. Oh, I, I love it. I but painted it, it single, hand, uh, single panel on the, my eyelids. So. All, all uh-huh. I was going to say the is lids. when they showed it on the screen at New York Comic Con, you could see in the Tulsa section that it almost has this frame rate like a broken film strip or you can see sort of little strips of black flipping through as you're going through. There's more grain in the film that just naturally is not going to show up when you're watching it on a laptop or perhaps when you're watching it on a TV at home. Uh, that's a huge bummer to me, but uh, I just wanted to layer that in because that's the thing that like when I saw it on that screen that grabbed me immediately, I was like, ah, yes, they got it right. They did it right. They're commenting yeah. on film uh, and TV. But speaking of getting it right, like this show, like talking about comparing it to other shows, like this reminds me of one we would watch Legion and I would be excited by what I'm seeing and also having that feeling of like, what's going to happen? How is this going to go? Like, the intense, like, creative style of the show is really fantastic. And uh, this is very much jumping into the plot, but one of the smartest things I think they do is almost entirely focusing on newer characters right from the beginning that, if you do know Watchmen, puts you in this very shaky territory where it's not, we're 30 years later, Dr. Manhattan's back from Mars and he's up for revenge. You know, it's nothing like that. You're following Sister Knight, you're following Red, you're following Looking Glass, all these characters that have familiar notes about them, but you don't know yet, and that makes it very exciting it also means that the familiar things, when they do mention Dr. Manhattan, when they do mention these characters you know, it gives you that little thrill of, okay, we are in the same world, but yeah. it's not the world that I know and I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's a sweet yeah. little bump, a sweet little comic yeah. book bump oh, yeah. when you see Dr. Manhattan fucking around on Mars. <laughs> it's like sneaking that. away in the middle of dinner, taking a little comic book bump. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do is secretly read one or two pages of comic books <laughs> away from my family. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's all yeah. I have. I, that, I that happened to me one time at dinner, and I came back, and my friend was like, yo, you got four colors on your nose, buddy. <laughs> oh. You've got a little batarang sticking out of guys, your nose. You guys, always check a mirror after you do that. All right? Uh, well, uh, great great wow, tip. Wow, a lot great of real tip. strong Coke information coming out of this podcast. <laughs> you so should I'm check out Pete's Coke podcast. Yeah, it's really <laughs> Super short. Intense. It's yeah. really short, and it amped up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Three short minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Pete's nose on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> Pete knows nose. Yes. So uh, I think we touched on this a little bit, but overall, good, good uh, show. I truly, I the expectations for this have uh, have been high. I think yeah. across the board, I thought it was amazing. Like truly, truly great. Yeah. Uh, dealt got in uh, with some heavy issues. Unlike a lot of other comic book shows, where it's just like let's do the superhero stuff and not really touch on the real world. This like went in hard on. 
the real world and some fucked up history right out of the gate and then use that as sort of the base to tell their story from. Uh, if I may, yes. Like, it was such a, like, it did such a great job of honoring what was happening and, like, uh, uh, making comments from the book in such an artistic, intense way that I was just super impressed from start to finish. And the casting is bananas. Uh, just unbelievable. You can tell, like, it's a great project because all these really talented people want to get involved. And that may, does raise the bar, but it stays up there the whole time. Like, I was giggling. It was, like, really... Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the other thing about it is that, again, I think comes from the comic book is it has this reputation for being grim and gritty and serious. And I've been very iffy when I've described the show to people because that's the easiest way of describing the show is like, oh, it's a dark take on superheroes. But that's not what it is at all no. because there's points, particularly late in the episode, that are really fun. Fun. It's L- sweet. Yes. Uh, when Nash Bridges Touching. starts singing. It's great. <laughs> Nash Bridges. Don Johnson. Oh, Don okay. Johnson. I think we all know what I'm talking about. It's interesting that that's what you associated with. Wow. What's what? Tin Cup? <laughs> yeah, Tin Cup. <laughs> what, else, what else is there? Oh, uh, come on. Are you kidding me? Miami Vice, bro? I think he's more known as the second lead of Tin Cup. <laughs> <laughs> the villain of Tin Cup. Right. That's how I know him. Yeah. That's why I was surprised you said Nash Bridges. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, Nash Bridges. No, he's wearing the hat from Nash talking, Bridges. That's what I'm talking about. This is yeah. Nash Bridges. Uh, it's like he walked right off of the set. That is Nash Bridges extended universe, which is something I talk about a lot. Right. <laughs> you have a podcast, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely. Um, no, when he's singing to... Bash and Nash, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it down. Wow. Just trash it. Every episode. Here's uh, another shitty episode of Nash Bridges. <laughs> now, I will mention we're about 13 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about the episode we're yet. We're getting to it so yeah. soon. Yeah. I was just referencing a character that doesn't exist in this show, but could. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first episode, the title, uh, which we get uh, fantastically revealed. I yeah. love the visual treatment here. It's in the episode itself. Uh, it's summer and we're running out of ice. This is a lyric from, I think the name of the song is Poor Judd is Dead from Oklahoma. We get to see scenes from Oklahoma. It's funny that they give us that information right up top. And then, spoiler, by the end of the episode, the character named Judd is dead. That, I think, is such a smart, clear thing that, again, takes excuse from the comic books, where it's like, all the clues are there, man. You yeah. can pick up on it I can't believe uh, Don Johnson is gone so soon. Like, uh, we just... And they actually hung him Yeah, in real life. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he had a good run. Like I said, Nash Bridges, Tin Cup. I mean, what more do you want? This episode? Like, that's his... Come on, man. If his his IMDb has any more than those three credits, (laughs) I would be surprised. I would be shocked if Don Johnson's IMDb had more than those three credits. Don't disrespect the Johnson like that. Let's get into the episode. We are going to walk through it and uh, talk about... Absolutely everything. Uh, okay. So we start with a silent film um, with a oh, Bass yeah. Reeves, the U.S. Marshal Oklahoma, um, uh, taking down a crooked cop um, in front of the church. They start to they try to start a mob riot, and he's like, "Hey, relax, relax." It breaks off, and we jump right into this uh, horrifying scene um, yeah. of 1922 Tulsa. 1921. Uh, uh, maybe 20. Maybe it's 21. Maybe it's 21. I'll look it up. Uh, I think the the actual race riots took place in 1921. Um, so probably, um, 
And uh, these, this is an actual horrifying uh, piece of history that happened in Tulsa where um, they say, like, I think 50 or 40 people died, but that's just what was reported. It was like hundreds of, of uh, black men and women were murdered by just gangs of white people. Yeah. So it's a crazy piece of history. It that, was 1921, by the way. 21. Uh, and... What I think they do so expertly just in these first couple of scenes beyond visually setting it up like we were talking about earlier in terms of playing with media is right out of the gate. They're like, hey, we're dealing with race, you guys. That's the idea of the show. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I feel like that's so unlike a comic book show or anything to really be like. Guess what? You thought it was going to be about uh, a blue dick in Spaceman? Yeah. It's not. It's about real shit. So yeah. pay and attention. And like, even just the way it starts with Regina King being like, you got to separate the whites. Like, that was super clear. Like, that was so, great. Two things that I'll say about this. Uh, first of all, Damon Lindelof has talked about this a bit. The reason that he wanted to tackle this is he felt like Watchmen, the original novel, was all about nuclear panic, that that was the existential threat facing humanity back in 1985, 1986. And not that it's necessarily gone, but at least in the terms of the world of the Watchmen, uh, that has essentially been solved by what happened by Adrian Veidt dropping a squid on New York and killing three million people. Uh, Looking at the world outside our window today, Lindelof felt like the existential threat facing us right now is racism. Yeah. That that is the apocalypse. White nationalism. Yeah. That's the apocalyptic threat, not just in the United States, but worldwide that could eventually tip us to utter destruction. And that's what he wanted to talk about. So that's the first part of it. The second part that I think is so clear from these first couple of scenes is how... It's tough to choose the right words to say here, but how even it is in terms of the presentation, which I do think takes a cues from the comic book. Uh, we talked about this a bit over the course of the 12 issues where, sure, Alan Moore and Dave Givens are saying something and saying things, but they don't have an agenda. They're more presenting it to you and saying, you, the reader, you decide. And here that we get a sheriff taking a white man uh, it turns out to be a black sheriff. Then we immediately cut to black people being attacked by white people. And then throughout the episode, to jump very much ahead, but we have a scene of a, a black police officer right after that uh, approaching a white man in a very aggressive way, ultimately getting shot by that white man in a mask the mostly multi-ethnic police force being run by a white guy. Our hero is a black woman. Like, across the board, it's not like blacks versus whites. Here we go. It's yeah. much more mixed up and complicated than yeah, that. Yeah, it makes it hard to categorize right out of the gate, and I think yes. that's uh, was really well done. And this scene specifically at the top. So um, we get this silent film, which is sort of like, uh, sort of the like idealized way we tell race stories, where it's right. like, look, you believe that the cop was black who saved the day, and that to me is like how comic books. That's like the old way comic book stories go. It's like very clean and obvious what the story is. Yeah, and then and film serials as well, and film serials. Yeah, all the the early sort of early media that would deal with race, and then we jump into the actual scene where it's um, this family putting their son uh, in the back of a car. Uh, he gets away from the town as it burns, but that the car is. Uh, uh, crashes, the parents die. To me, this was a reframing of the Superman story. Yeah. This was uh, Jor-El putting uh, little oh, kal wow. into the into the capsule. He goes off, and we get the dark take of it, or the more sort of, like, realistic version of it, where, like, this boy crashes 
there's no Mon Pa Kent. They die, and he's left to pick up this baby and walk yeah. off into the night. And I thought that was such a great way to show, like, a cute comic book version of, like, a complicated issue and then be like, and here are the, ram- the real world ramifications are fucked up. Also, I wanted to point out, like, it was very interesting the way the mother and father worked together. Like, she got the gun, and, like, he carried the kid, and I thought that was, like, a very interesting kind of, like... Okay, what like them working together in such a quick way that said so much about the relationship. Well, then and you're how, saying mixing up traditional gender roles as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and and also just being like, okay, you're the better shot. I'll carry the kid or whatever. Yeah. Like it was, it said so much without saying anything, and it was like really cool to see this like in this short amount of time, you felt like you really knew this family and cared. And like, it was, yeah. there's also a really cool shot in the middle of here. And cool is probably the wrong word, but uh, as the kid is being taken away, he's in a box hiding yeah. in the back. There's a, a gunshot, a bullet gets shot through and there's a hole. He looks through the hole yeah. and it's like looking through a zoetrope or at a film strip as he's looking yeah. there. And again, it's this visual play that they're doing where they give you a film serial, uh, an old-time movie, a zoetrope, all in a very short period of time. Also, it's like this kid who is just so young and so innocent seeing this like horrible racism but like he's not he doesn't know how to react to it so it's almost like this innocent child looking through this hole at this horrible world it's really yeah. just like us looking through a screen to this insanity and what, we, oh, I was going to say the piece of uh, the one piece we should have said he's given a note that yes. says uh, take care of this boy yeah uh, which I mean damn I know it's in you know a quick amount of time but that was like such a just like just so uh, factual. No, you couldn't even do like "I love you, son" or anything. You know what I mean? Like, damn, yeah, right. I'm sorry to this man or something. That would have yeah. been funny, like very memey and of the moment. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been. He should have definitely handwritten right. a meme. Do you think speaking uh, of- in in the timeline of the show has hustlers come out before? 1921. Mm, let's see. There were how, there, how many hustlers Easter eggs do we see here? A lot. Yeah, there were a lot. Too bad. But speaking of memes, I mean, this whole thing was about TikTok. I mean, everybody loves TikTok. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot. Of TikTok clearly put some heavy uh, advertising <laughs> yeah. in this. Yeah. Uh, cool. cool. So uh, he picks up the baby, gets on the road. We have a slow fade to the road in the modern day, uh, and we see a dude coming down the road. Uh, I, I hate, love this dude. Like, whoever this actor is, I don't know who this actor is. Yeah. Uh, but the way that he does it, he's so instantly hateable. Yeah. Chewing yeah. on his gum, sipping his Coke. Again, on the mixed up race of it, you have a dude who, as is very quickly revealed, uber racist, part of the Seven Cavalry, uh, a racist group inspired by Rorschach in all the wrong oh. ways. Yeah. Uh, that well, hurts. I'm, sh- I'm that sure hurts. we'll get to that Pete, in a moment. That that hurts, Rorschach fan on the podcast. But oh. he's listening to rap music as he's driving. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's emphasizing this thing where it's like, it's this contradiction of a dude who's like, yeah. I hate African Americans. Love their music. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, it's good. And again, well, it's realistic. super subtly played. Like, you're not oh. something yes, you have exactly. to like, they didn't have to reference like, hey, you like that music? Music and it's like yeah. no, you just like let it be. You like that? Shakespeare was the original that. Nah, oh, cool. Dangerous God, mind dude. over here. Uh, <laughs> and we see the Rorschach mask is his glove box, and oh. again, not referenced, just sort of slightly passed over. Yeah. The cop sees it. Well, and uh, to your point that you were making earlier, uh, there's such 
good information about the world that's layered in here. We see the battery gauge on his car. Yep. This is something uh, that they don't explicitly mention in the episode, but because of Dr. Manhattan and his influence, all fossil fuels have been eliminated in this world, and everything runs on electricity or batteries. Uh, we get to see that, I think, a little later on in the episode as well. Well, and batteries come into play and will come into play, it seems yeah, like, exactly. a lot of the story. Yeah. Uh, and so we find out that. We also find out from the cop, because he suspects the dude, they're not allowed to use their firearms without permission. Yeah. yeah. There's now, also a consent thing that happens when he approaches the car, which is interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Consent to be filmed. Yeah. So uh, this is also something, and this is extrapolating further for something that's not dealt at all in this episode, and I assume will be continue to layer in as we get through the show. Uh, but at the end of Watchmen, the comic book, Richard Nixon is president for, I believe, the third term. Is that correct? Yes, He's like I think in his so. third term. So Lindelof and crew, they tried to figure out what would happen in the intervening time. And we get a little piece of information at the very end of Watchmen, the comic book, that Robert Redford is running for president. Yeah. He gets well, listed in the list of names. It's Redford. Well, it's the there's a it's sort of a, played as a joke. It says R.R. is running for president on a newspaper. Right. Uh, and we're supposed to think Ronald Reagan. And then they later say in the comic, it's Robert Redford. Right. Uh, substituting the actor, which I think is great. And uh, well, so what it, think actually, about how different our lives would have been if it was Robert Redford instead of Ronald Reagan. Oh, man. Well, wow. this is exactly what they're playing off in the... What about uh, where would Slam Dance, the Slam Dance Film Festival be? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Man. It'd be Ronald we Reagan. It'd be a bunch of... Kids? What? I don't know. The, oh, the movie. The movie nah, kids, yeah. not we, kids. We, we wouldn't have kids? <laughs> There's no kids? <laughs> we gotta go save your kids. <laughs> uh, Wait, uh, what I wanted to actually say about the continuity, that almost is side to this, but I thought it was kind of fascinating when I was reading this. I believe it was uh, in a friend of our live show, uh, Abe Reisman. He did a long interview on Vulture with David Lindelof. Uh, and the way that they thought through it is they thought, okay, Richard Nixon, who has already eliminated term limits at this point uh, because he won the Vietnam War, would run again. He would win post-squid. Like, Robert Redford runs, but he loses that first election what? because... Well, they're in a world where a squid exploded in New York City. Uh, they're at war with interdimensional beings, or at least so that they think. Uh, so Richard Nixon would win the 1988 election. No way, dude. Have you seen The Sting? Come on, bro. Hold no on. Way. Hold on. Wait. So Richard Nixon wins. He dies of a heart attack two years later, which I believe times out oh, with about cool. where he died in real life. Gerald Ford is president for two years, mucks it up. Yeah. And that's when Robert Redford gets elected oh, in 92. Cool. And then they tried to extrapolate beyond that. Okay, at that point, Robert Redford, uber liberal president. What does that lead towards? What are the problems that that can cause if you have unchecked liberalism over the course of 20 to 30 years? And that's where that's sort of the coloring of what we're getting here when we see the cop asking for consent, having to unlock his gun, all yeah. of these other things that they have to run. Panda, through. dude, man. Panda. Uh, Panda the cop. Uh, and, and one example of this is uh, Redfordations, uh, yes. they reference, yeah. which I, they don't say it, which again, I can't believe they didn't explain what this is, but it, I'm assuming it's Robert Redford reparations, reparations that Redford enacts uh, because of slavery. Right. And that I thought was just so like smartly done and never like explained, like yeah. wild, very confident. Yeah. Uh, and this also, that gets into a thing because uh, you have the 7th Cavalry and all this racism is caused by that as a response to that. 
Uh, it's the same thing that we talked about with the mere presence of vigilantes in Watchmen, that it's not necessarily a good thing. Like, they're fighting crime, but it does actually amp up the amount of crime and destruction in the world. And it's the same thing with these reparations that Robert Redford is doing, where it just makes a certain section of the populace even angrier and even more radicalized. That doesn't yeah. mean it's wrong. No. It just means that's what it does. There's a repercussion, a yeah. Redford cushion. Uh, to, but to continue on, we see um, uh, Nash Bridges goes to see a uh, production of Dude, Oklahoma. Don Johnson. Don come Johnson. Come uh, on, show some respect. Um, he walks out the... He the the cop Charles, um, who was shot by the uh, seventh member of the Seventh Cavalry, um, he survived, uh, which seemed yeah. like a miracle. He was shot many times. many times, and uh, he got hit by lettuce, which is the deadliest oh, thing of all. Oh man, yeah. you ever got hit by lettuce before? It stinks. Well, it you stinks. don't eat vegetables. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count as eating a vegetable when someone throws a head of lettuce. <laughs> what? At you. No, I know that's not in Come your on, man. check the food osmosis period. eating yeah. it. No? Here's a fun fact about Pete: if you throw candy at him, he will catch it in his mouth. In his mouth, yes, <laughs> he's like a Pac Man for candy, uh, <laughs> which is a lot like regular Pac Man. Can we talk about the Oklahoma thing? Yeah. Uh, now I know that's partially setting up the poor Judd is dead, uh, as we talked about earlier. But what do you think the purpose of layering in this musical is? I got to be honest: this is a musical that I'm sure I saw at some point. I've certainly listened to the music, but I'm not 100% familiar with. I don't know it either. Um, really? I, well, I'm so not a big One of us is supposed to be a classically trained actor. That's different than musicals. My wife's a musical theater person, and okay. she uh, she thinks this musical is very simple. It's like one that oh, isn't, isn't one of her favorites. Shade? Uh, yeah, so there's some shade wow. on Oklahoma. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's popular. Yeah. Um, it's, I she, think, Rodgers and Hammerstein's first musical. Yeah. And it's set in Oklahoma, which is where we are. I got yeah. that. Where the wind runs free. Uh, and the wind goes whistling through the plains. Oh, boy. We're we bad at this. Time, and we waited time. Something like that. Uh, I did I, like the fact that that production was not great. Yeah. yeah. That community theater production. Very enjoyable. Uh, and she she calls it Black Oklahoma. And then when Don Johnson says it, she's like, you can't say that. You can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, but I did like how the music kept going, even though John Johnson left the theater. Like, we got to hear the ending and the applause. It was very cool. I, I hate to break in like this. His name is Nash Bridges. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. You said it wrong. I know. <laughs> I'm just glad that I got permission to continue to refer him to him as this character that no one really knows anymore. Uh, but I do think it's there to represent sort of, again, like the silent film at the beginning, like the uh, simple, easy way to understand history or anything. And then they're watching it like, that's eh, fine. And then they move on to go deal with the actual shit right. going on. In the and world. then, there, of course, there's also uh, the race flip of it all. It's a yeah. very white musical. Yes. Uh, it's in a very white state, but we're seeing something very different in terms of, I don't think we can call it either, but black all. Oklahoma. Nice. Dude, <laughs> That's the best way to say it. It's quietly on the Why would you? But nobody heard it if I was. Oh, That's well, nice. Dude, no, definitely. Come on, man. When you bring You're the microphone closer to it's your fine. face. You're brother than that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. The cops uh, pull on their masks as they go to work. So the masks put on their faces. Sh- put on their faces. Should we talk about the mask stuff? Because yeah. it's a big part of this uh, episode. All the cops oh, wear masks. Oh, oh. The Seventh Cavalry wear Rorschach masks. Also, you can tell Don Johnson is a baller because he makes the other guy put his face on just so he can tie his tie. He's using his mask as a mirror. Yeah. He's using his mask as a mirror. Also, it's fascinating that uh, Don Johnson's character, who we really should look up, I guess, uh, and I'll do that while I'm talking, uh, he, he doesn't wear a mask. He wears a costume very clearly. Like, he uh, asks Looking Glass to 
take a pause and say, where's my uniform? Is it in the other room? He puts it on. It's prim. It's proper. It's very precise when he's wearing it. Uh, to me, that is his superhero costume. But unlike everybody else on the force, he's not wearing a mask. Yeah. What do you think the purpose is there? I think uh, he's the chief. I think it's so he's like the face of the precinct. So I think he has to have a face um, for he does press conferences, things like that. Uh, and it makes him more vulnerable. It shows how he is confident in his ability to win. And then eventually, as we learn that by the end of the episode, he is taken down for that. Right. I, I would throw out based on what happens at the end of the episode. I think he's always wearing his mask. Like, I think there's, there's clear. You mean it's Don Johnson is his mask. Yeah, he's going to slowly peel off his face and reveal another face under his face. No, what I mean is... Probably Steve Buscemi. He's the only guy good enough to pull that off. The first issue of Watchmen, we get to see the death of Eddie Blake, the comedian, right? Yes. And to the world at large, the comedian is a hero. He fought in Vietnam. He fought for various presidents. Over the course of the comic book, we find out some really bad shit about the comedian, the implication I take away from that final scene is the same sort of thing. And I think yeah. Don Johnson's character, which is named Chief Judd Crawford, as we all Judd, know. Yes. Yes. He seems amazing throughout the episode. And Don Johnson. Plays Not him amazing. So- I mean, he is doing coke and, you know. Yeah. But like it's friendly coke. Yeah. Oh, it's like, okay. it's, it's like some morning coke. Yeah. It's just, like, you know, get you, get you out of bed. Coke. It was at, it was like evening coke he was doing. Coke in the morning, coke yeah. in the evening, coke any time of day. It's like you even breakfast coke. for dinner. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a treat. Okay. My point being, yeah, there are, that does point to It was though, casual there, coke. I'll give there you There are cracks in that veneer there that he yeah. is putting forward. Uh, again, I think. He is not wearing a mask because there is more going on with him than we know. Because he's too much of a cokehead to put a mask on because then he couldn't do all his coke. You can just have a nose hole. Have a nose hole. That really gives it away, though. (laughs) You have one hole in your mask and it's on your right nostril. They call me Captain Coke. (laughs) Uh, I agree with you. I thought for sure the reveal at the end of the episode was going to be that he was also working with the 7th Cavalry. Right. Um, And maybe we'll find that, that out eventually, but we didn't see that in this. I'm yep. glad, too, because, like, in his last movie, it was, like, Quentin Tarantino, and he played, like, a super racist guy, and I was like... No, I'm not familiar oh, with okay. that. okay, all right, cool. I'm not familiar Which with movie that. was is that? that? Is that Tin Cup? Reservoir? Django. Reservoir Dogs? I told you the name of it. Oh. It's Django. Django Unchained. Yeah. Nice. From Dust Till Dawn. Ah, uh, that's one of Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> best. Uh so, um, moving forward with the, uh, the story of the episode, we get a little clip of Dr. Manhattan on Mars. Yes. Um... Okay. <laughs> well, this that's this, a reference. Uh, yes, to, thank you. Uh, that two things about that. I know I keep saying two things about things, but there's I have. Uh, it's hard to encapsulate all of your thoughts about this show because there's so many things going on at the same time. Yeah, and you've um, seen it a couple of times. And yeah, you're, seen still, it a and you're times. also like co- pretty coked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way. Yeah. So you can't fix it. Here's the thing: I'm making a lot of stock buys as we're talking. Yeah, all right, exactly. and they're going up, up, up. It's bear market? Yeah, bear? 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 Bull. Bull. Bear bull. Bear bull. Dr. Manhattan on Mars. The end of Watchmen, we find out that Dr. Manhattan says, you know what? Fuck I don't all know what, y'all. I'm fuck, out. Yeah. Peace out. Maybe I'm going to go to create a new universe. Maybe I'm going to explore the rest of the universe now that we've done all this shit. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Why is he still on Mars 30 years later? Well, I'll, it's his home base. 
I, I, he was like, he had built something and he was crashing it down in the clip. Yes. That made me feel like it was archival footage and he's since moved on. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, but it feels weird that he, uh, throughout this series, I'm assuming eventually he will show up in this first season, but it's odd that he's, if he's just on Mars. Yeah. It's like, he's oddly close. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's very, it's curious to me. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. There feels like there is more of a story there, more of an explanation, because there's not a lot for him to do on Mars, and he, again, I, I, we'll have to explore it more. For the thing that he's building up and crashing down, which is super fascinating, I think, and this leads to way more questions, we'll get to the Jeremy Irons section in a bit. Yeah. Ooh, he yeah. is uh, building up and crashing down the building that Jeremy Irons is living in. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is. So that indicates to me, at least crazy theory time, whatever is going on with Jeremy Irons, he is potentially being trapped or played with by Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, they're still in touch. And that's interesting, too, because uh, later we get to Jeremy Irons. There's a, first off, there's a newspaper headline that says Adrian Veidt dead. Right. Uh, and then we see him in a castle. Could that be? Could he be on Mars? Potentially. Uh, and that's where, I mean, that Jeremy Irons scene, that whole but- thing was weird. Something's Weird is up. an understatement. Yeah. Yes. This is. This also, I think, comes from Abe's interview with Damon Lindelof. But that is their tales from the Black Freighter section, the Jeremy Iron stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to connect with the main narrative at some point. But if you didn't read the comic book, Tales from the Black Freighter is a comic in the comic that they read that parallels the main narrative, and that's what they're aiming for with the Jeremy Iron sections. They film those all in a chunk, separate from everything else. Partially because of Jeremy Irons' schedule, partially because they either shot it in Scotland or Ireland, I'm not 100% sure, but because of weather, they're like, we got to do this right now. Yeah, it's only Uh, nice for two to four hours in Ireland every year. So it's very weird, very dreamlike. There's a lot of strange things going on there. It's very rainy there. there. Who are you taking shots at Ireland? It's a rainy place. Dude, that is not true. It's where people go to write poems and novels with... Sad novels. There's plenty of great weather in Ireland, you motherfucker. Well, but okay. at the same time, I think we could say... Fuck Ireland meteorologist Pete LePage over here. Because they've been cagey but open about this at the same time, he is Adrian Veidt, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it would be a rug pull if he was not. Right. Unless it's revealed that it's Dr. Manhattan who's taken his form. That's possible. Um, it definitely feels like it's some... There's something happening there that seems very disconnected from reality. Yes. Um, what that is, we'll find out. Right. Uh, we get... So then we meet uh, Angela, who is Sister Knight. Yes. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. We, uh, we, that, the Jeremy Irons part. We'll get well, back that's, to that's it. Later, that's, oh, later. that's later. That's later. He's uh, walking us through the episode in chronological order. Indeed. Narratively. She is uh, She's in front of a class talking about um, make, Just bacon. Actually, we should establish uh, Pete lives all moments simultaneously. Yes, that's yeah. true. So. Um, and it's uh, that's the only part of his powers that we understand. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you could put your dick away, that would be great. Yeah. Never. Uh, until you turn blue, it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen, guys. Stick it in the icebox, man. Uh, bad news for everybody. Um, <laughs> so she's uh, making some eggs. She pulls the yolks out and creates a smiley face. And uh, there's a little chunk of blood in there, yeah. uh, if I remember correctly. Yep. Just uh, like the comedian's button. Uh, sort of the reverse of it, technically, because the smiley face itself was yellow. Um, yeah, it was the reverse. Yes. Yeah. So that was cool. It, and this is something But the that, other part wasn't black, though. That would be the actual reverse. This like is something the, that I think gets to uh, a lot of what they're doing with the characters is 
there are a lot of original characters in there, like Sister Knight, like Looking Glass, um, like a lot of the folks that we're dealing with, but they all seem to have different parts of the DNA of some of the Watchmen characters. So even though the 7th Cavalry is wearing Rorschach's mask, they're not directly Rorschach. Looking Glass also is not directly Rorschach, though he has similarities and bits of him. And same thing with Sister Knight. She seems to have some sense of Silk Spectre, some sense of Night Owl, some sense of uh, uh, Ozymandias, just all of the characters, the comedian, etc. And they've basically, it feels like, taking them in a blender, dropping things here and there, and it's not about clues. It's not like, she makes the comedian's button, so she's the comedian. It's more... No, she has she has a sprinkle of that. Yeah, and there's thematic connections in all of them. It's sort of a remix. Oh, yeah. Uh, remix. So uh, she's telling her story, then she gets into sort of the dark side of her origin yeah. of how Start she was a cop who was shot, shot yeah. on the White Knight, an event we don't really out. know much about uh, yet. Uh, she's telling the story. The teacher's like, chill with this horrifying story, takes questions, and then her son... Um, that was great. Uh, punches the kid. Who's yeah, her son just charges racist. across the room and like starts fighting the uh, racist kid. And what was funny was she, he was the kid was like he was racist, and she was like, "Nah, on his way though, on definitely on the on the way to being racist." Yeah, which I thought was a funny, such moment. a great line. Yeah. Uh, also of note, just when we're talking about mixing things up. Uh, Regina King's character, Angela Abar, and her husband, <laughs> I never pronounce his name right, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who played Black Manta in Aquaman. Right, Pete? Oh, there yeah. you go, Pete. Uh, who plays Cal Abar. Uh, they're both African-American. Their kids are not. Yeah. So, again, we're having a mixed family. We're uh, remixing things. Yeah, indeed. Remix. Uh, they're driving um, after... Uh, uh, Sister Knight and her son are driving in the car. That's where we get the squid storm. Uh, yes. Totally unexplained. Smells bad. This is so. Here's what I took away from this: Oop. that 30 years ago, you had a squid dropped in Manhattan. A psychic squid killed three million people. Right, mm. uh, and the whole plan by Adrian Veidt was to send out the psychic wave to bring peace to the world, reunite them against a extra dimensional threat. Yeah. Uh, what I took away from this is because there's also some other mentions of this throughout the episode in terms of like maybe it's a hoax, maybe other things are going on, uh, that they've had 30 years of this and everybody's just tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and this, this to me, the Squid Storm feels like something that Adrian Invite also set up to cover his ass. Yeah. Uh, to confirm, like, if if the story is that Rorschach's journal was released and calling into question the whole squid thing, uh, then I think this is saying, no, no, this is something he orchestrated to be like, look, it's real. There's more tiny squids coming. I yes. think it's like uh, he kind of sat, when he saw it in the in the comic, he kind of has this machine that created the squid. Like, he just kind of set it for, you know, like once every year. But by 30 years, it's just little squids now. Uh, it's yeah, not set like it one. and forget it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Squids get tinier over time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started one giant squid, now it's just like a little hail of little squids. It's I a love squid drizzle. It's a squid drizzle. Squizzle. 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 Uh, I, man, that would smell bad. Yes. It, when the kid touched it, though, on the window, I was like, don't touch the psychic squid. Like, I thought he was going to become, like, all evil. And very shit. tiny uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that kind of show, Pete. Uh, I also love the effect that they hit and then they just melt. Yeah. And we cut to a scene where it's clearly, like, squid plows... That it's just yeah. a regular business cleaning up the street because everybody is so used to it at this point. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, we get the uh, a blimp advertising American Hero Story about the Minutemen. Dude, so many ads for that in this fucking show. Yeah, we later see an animated sequence that's yeah. sort of leading up. I was up. like, I get it. You don't have to keep hitting me with this. Wait, uh, what do you mean? There was... It was like a bunch of reminders throughout the episode about the Minutemen. There was tons of ads happening for it. Yeah, I think that's, again, that's part and parcel with them layering the world of superhero TV in the world of the TV show that we're watching. Right. I, I think one or two would have been cool. Like, wow. you know, oh, you thought that was easily, too much. Too much. frustrated. Okay. I thought it was great. Uh, we uh, see Angela go in into her bakery, and she suits up into oh, her so Sister great. Night uh, was, costume, which was, was awesome. First time we saw Louis Gossett Jr. We see Louis Gossett Jr. right Ooh. there. Uh, and two things I'll say about that. I love saying two yeah, things. Yeah, no, you love two I things. don't Jesus. know why this keeps happening. I'm yeah. so sorry. Uh, first of all, we you say three things Why don't you one try time? one thing for yeah, a second? Yeah, just no, one. never. All right. Lou Gossett Jr., as she's walking to the bakery, is like, hey, do you think I can lift 200 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't come back until later on, uh, depending on how much Don Johnson weighs. That certainly indicates something went on there. Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing that we didn't talk about in the classroom scene is that uh, Angela Abar grew up in Vietnam, which, again, I think is a reverberation of comedian Comedian. fighting in Vietnam. It definitely made me wonder if there's a connection there. Like, there is that pregnant woman who the comedian kills. Yeah. That wouldn't be her, right? Like, uh, that she wouldn't be the baby that would be the result of that? I wouldn't think so, but... uh, Yeah, I don't think so. But maybe... uh, Maybe there's a connection there. It does seem like a strong thing to say without uh, having any sort right. of connection. To the and the comedian. comedian may have like fucked around more than that lady. I think that's a strong. Make. That's a strong <laughs> guess based on yeah. the character. So I don't know. We'll see. That might be an interesting little twist later on, particularly because there was a big thing about surprise comedian parentage in the comic book. So yeah. I don't know. Might be a detail to hold on to. Uh, once she's in costume, uh, she, we see her badge on display. She's obviously a cop. That was uh, great to see her just kind of walk into the room and be like, it's ass-whooping time. I'm a suit up. And boy, does she kick ass in this episode across yeah. the board. She goes to Nixonville, which is a trailer park. Mm-hmm. Nixon falling from grace a bit here. Um, grabs a dude. <laughs> First time, too. Yeah. Whew, what a fall. The just Nixon heads out there. Gotta the be door. feeling yeah. that. Our best president? Yeah. Also, uh, I like Roger the fact Stone. that like that door, that dude's door has been kicked in so much. It's like part wood and parts yes. from where the, the way this whole sequence, not just Regina King, but the way that it's shot and edited and everything, so great because we get to see like a punch cut to the car, cut to uh, there's sick thing, car by the way, sick yeah, car. She's there's, there's things car. that are missing in there, but it almost it doesn't matter because you're picking up exactly what's going on. Yeah. It just plows through that sequence in such a propulsive way. And the whole score is great, but this is the scene for me where Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's, uh, Atticus Ross's score really yeah. kicked in, and I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is great. Yeah, it was great. All the action sequences were really well yeah, done. Yeah, Regina King, whoops, yes. Uh, once she, we don't know if she's captured the dude really, and uh, they go to the precinct. There, uh, everyone's watching the Seventh uh, Cavalry's video where they're all in Rorschach. Super gear, creepy. So let's talk TikTok. about this now. Then yeah. we touched on this earlier. Pete, you're a big Rorschach fan. We had a yep. lot of discussions on the podcast so far mm-hmm. about his treatment, why it might be a little more complicated than young Pete may have thought. Right. Uh, how Baby do you Pete. feel about the Seventh Cavalry? Yeah, that's the creepiest, like worst take on Rorschach. So yeah, it really sucks. Cool. Great. Yeah, cool. But it, it makes sense as sort of uh, a, a heightened version of some of his things that he said in the comic book. I do love 
you know, let's not make you know excuses for someone to be a racist asshole. I'm not making excuses. I'm saying that I, clearly they've co-opted him, and but I, especially conspiracy theorists like fringe alt right. I think that's what's being touched on here: white nationalism, and it makes sense why he would be a figure. I think that they would draw from. Yeah, it's yeah. just super creepy and, and awful. Particularly, he uh, dropped off his journal at the New Frontiersman. It's incomplete information, which I think is important to mention, that he drops it off before they head to Adrian Veidt's hideout. Uh, Clearly, in the world of the TV show, they did, in fact, print his journal. And I could see that very clearly being used as a manifesto, right? Like people uh, parsing his phrases, looking into them, trying to figure them out, and not having the backstory that we have on Rorschach that makes him more of a three-dimensional person. Yeah. Uh, in the precinct, Panda, um, the dude that Panda, sucks, Panda. Yeah. Uh, authorized the use of lethal force. That dude's really too slow to authorize force, man. He's trying to follow Cost the rules. That one cop his life. You got to think he's maybe um, working with the 7th Cavalry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think we're going to find out maybe some corruption. Or, or just also, maybe really against, because even when Don Johnson had that big meeting, was like, everybody gets guns, which is super creepy. Um, the... Panda was still like, you're wrong. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're going to regret this, Chief. Yeah. Panda, Panda. Uh, we also Don't very trust briefly pandas. see one of the big characters in the show beyond Looking Glass and Sister Night, which is Red Scare. Yeah. Uh, and this ties into the other thing that happens towards the end of Watchmen, the comic book, which is that Russia and the United States put aside their aggression to work against this interdimensional threat. Uh, Red Scare is clearly part of this. Like, he is... Uh, a supporter of Russia and part and parcel with the United States. And I thought that was a neat little detail. It was. And it, it it's, I would say subtle, but he also, everyone's wearing like black and he's wearing full red the entire yes. time, even in their raid, which is dangerous. Cause yeah. you're an easy target. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, who am I going to shoot? Oh, the little red guy. I'll shoot the red guy. Uh, so uh, Regina King, the next scene is a, uh, 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 Angela, Sister Knight, in um, Nash Bridges' office, um, hanging out. And she drinks out of the owl mug, huh? I thought that's was all that we Was that an gonna... owl or was that an elephant? No, it was an owl mug. It was, she was an owl? Trying... Yeah, it was a little nod, yeah. Oh. I, I... mean, I don't. I didn't notice it, but owl would be a better reference than No, elephant. the elephant would be a reference to the Gunga Diner. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Owl was what she was drinking out of. It was an owl mug. I don't know. Okay. I and can't I thought tell thought the difference between we owls and yeah, elephants. I don't see the difference. Which ones are in trees? Yeah. <laughs> Elephants? I think so. Uh, yeah, I think elephants. so. Good memories, Hunt by Night. Yeah. yeah. I've read that Horton book, and that's how it works out there. Yeah, there you go. It's the only book I've ever read. Uh, they agree. We see clearly that they're friends, close friends. The, uh, she was supposed to be at uh, the Oklahoma uh, yeah. show with him. Um, they d- decide to put the suspect in the pot, which is this like... The pod. Pod. Uh, oh, pod. pod. Oh, pod. I thought it was pot. Uh, where they... Uh, Bombard him with some uh, imagery. imagery. Yeah, and that's where his mirror mask really comes into play. They're making it extra yeah. creepy. Uh, I I love the effect on Looking Glass's mask. So I good. also love the choice of Tim Blake Nelson, who feels like, yeah. yes. well, we can't get Jackie Earl Haley. Let's just 
get the other Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, no, the sort come of, on, he's great. No, he they're is both fantastic, great. but it's basically the same guy. It's like the older sort of like a little bit more broken down version of yeah. uh, exactly of the Rorschach. So it it makes and the way that his mask, the reflection on his mask, is like the actual Rorschach from the comic book mask. Yes. so that must make you feel better. Well, Super let's great. talk about that for a second because I think there's an interesting thing in terms of the Seven Cavalry's masks looking like Rorschach's mask, but they don't move. Yeah, yeah. they're because frozen in time. Exactly. They only see things one way versus looking glass reflects what everybody else has. Which is the point of Rorschach, technically. So you should feel good. Yeah. It was super creepy. You love looking glass. He's your favorite character on the show. Maybe, but that pod was super creepy, man. You're scared of the pod. Well, Pete, you... Because it would reveal your racism? Fuck you, man. I'm just saying, man. Get in the pod. Get in the pod. Uh, and get in our pod, Watchmen Watch. Oh, wow, nice. wow. You can you're subscribe plugging, on... You're oh, plugging our show during our show? Yeah, man. That's, no, that's weird. That's cool. Very cool. We it's like the to future. always take a pause about halfway through to... Uh, halfway through? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> it seems like the Watchmen Watch podcast is paying for advertisement in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm going broke. Yeah. What an expensive hobby. Uh, so then we get the big action sequence that sort of closes out the second act. Um, the Seventh Cavalry dudes are taking apart watches, which is right in the name of the show. Yeah, and, uh, and they're men. Yeah, see, they're the Watchmen. Oh man! And who watches them? The cops. So they're taking the watch batteries out, which you mentioned yeah. earlier. Uh, which it doesn't seem like this world uses or needs anymore. So they call them synthetic lithium batteries. Like, right. Uh, later, uh, presumably they're creating a bomb. One would think something. Or they'll never have to worry about batteries again. Oh, yeah, because they're all those, like, different sizes and stuff. I know, it is a pain. That's going to go in one big junk drawer in the Seventh Cavalry (laughs) Exactly. And they'll be like, check, just taking care of a to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They raid, it's a a cattle ranch, so uh, the Sister Knight and the rest of the cops are coming across the field. Um, They get caught. Um, and a bunch of cows get just wrecked. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is just so graphic. I so never graphic. wanted to be a vegan more in my life. Really? No. Not even seeing Babe? Wow. What about Babe Pig in the City? Take down. Because I, I became was... a vegetarian for 10 years after seeing Babe. Wow. 10 years? 10 years. What brought you back? Uh, babe 3? <laughs> babe 3. I was like, fuck this. No, nah, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat this fucking pig. Uh so, um, what a great action sequence for um, for Sister Knight. Oh, my gosh. Just so badass. Absolutely um, great. She runs up, kicks a bunch of dudes in a truck. And one of those dudes is the dude who uh, or who shot the cop in the beginning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he eats a pill and yeah. kills himself. Uh, she gets pissed off. Red Scare comes in. Uh, and ultimately... They haven't got that information. But a couple of them get away in a plane. Now, this... This gets into one of the other things that I think uh, this channeled from the comic book so well is that it wasn't every issue, but you have these themes that reverberate throughout each each issue, individual issue, in addition to the things that happen throughout the comic book. Uh, and here, this felt like you have a bookend of the Tulsa race riot at the beginning. You have that plane flying down, uh, that crop duster plane, and then same sort of thing. It's taking off at the end here. Yeah. I don't know if it was exactly the same plane, but in terms of uh, visual parallels, yeah. you Similar. have almost like beginning of the episode, end of the episode, folding in in the middle like a comic book is how it felt to me in terms yeah. of the structure. I agree, and I think that those small uh, structural uh, things are so great. It's so great to see that in here. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh, plane's getting away, we reveal that Nash Bridges has an owl ship, just like you do in the show Nash Bridges. Don, yes, Don and, Johnson. Don Johnson. And he uh, <laughs> shoots, spits the fire. You think it'd be easier? I was easier, like, come right? on, man. Let's update the technology. You got a flying owl ship. Don't rely on a flamethrower that can only reach so far, and you got to get close. That's just. I don't oh. know. So. Ah, oh, Jesus. Two implications that I got away with this. The first one is that... You can just share ideas. You don't have to label them. No, or it helps to remember many. that I have two thoughts. Oh, nice. uh, the the implication I have for this is that Night Owl probably shared his technology with the police, right? So yeah. that's probably what they're basing it on. Like, it's not a random owl ship. It seems like every police department has probably an ha- has an owl ship. That's right, how but they built like, it. Come on, man. Flamethrower is just... so fucking cool, though, man. Yeah, don't rely on that. Just, you know, use bullets. Now, I actually things. have four words uh, on my mind right now. Um, <laughs> I agree with Alex. <laughs> the it. other thing that I took away from this, tying it to the end of the episode, do you feel like maybe he was covering up evidence? Like, it was a little over the top. That's what I thought when I yeah. was watching it, that uh, that Don Johnson, Judd's character, Judd, is uh, working with the 7th Cavalry. He was burning that ship so they couldn't... Uh, Spilled the beans on him. Yes. The Rorschach So you still beans. believe yeah. that he was racist right till the end? Right till the end. Yeah, right. The like most. a lot of racists, kept it going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you don't really know if he was racist or not. He, you well, know, we, we don't, don't know. We don't, we don't know. see the last minute when he was alive. And a lot of racists, like, in their last minute are like, oh, I'm not racist anymore. Yeah. One minute before they die. That's true. Taking it down. It's science. <laughs> Signs or signs? Uh, whatever it's like you the movie Signs? This scene was great. The end of it was great. It was uh, a hilarious moment when Regina King runs up and then he gets out of the ship. He's like, are you okay? It's great. Yeah, really fun. Great Love scene. It. We didn't talk about this earlier, but there's a awesome scene earlier on where Nash Bridges is talking to the wife of the cop who got shot and trying to find out if she said anything, if she gave away his identity yeah. in any way. And he gets through, getting back to the idea that he's wearing this mask all the time, he gets through utter friendliness and confidence and trust in her. And I think that's the same thing in this moment where it partially is probably who he is, that he is this magnanimous, friendly dude. He's very charming. Yeah. Even when he's a villain, like in the, I don't know if I've said this, in the movie Tin Cup, he's <laughs> like the bad golfer. So, oh, he's yeah. a good golfer in that movie. He's a good golfer, but he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. And oh, that's the thing with yeah. golfers is some of them are good and some of them are bad. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Like, I can't think of any golfers. Yeah. Wow. Uh, golfers, one. hit us up. Not, Not one. one. Not one. Not even Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. That's, Woods. Who I that's was a good Wow. God. There it is. Um, Arnie Palmer, dude. Nothing. Arnold Palmer? Wow. Yeah. Just half lemonade, half iced tea himself? Yeah. Pete repping golf. Man. Hard right. repping golf over here. Yeah. Uh, Greg Norman, the shark. Come on. Great. <laughs> you've you've read it. Uh, you've read it. Yeah. How many more you got in the tank? I got a lot. I could go you for can a just keep naming golfers? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's going to be our credit roll for this episode is Pete just chanting the name of golfers. Um, so that scene finishes up. Everyone's having a good time. And then we jump into this crazy Jerry Irons shit. Um, oh lovely castle. Uh, he's getting Are you okay, Pete. It's just, I was really hoping that like this show would be, not have some like weird sexist shit in here. And he's I was getting like, a thigh massage. He's no. getting, she's calling a master and rubbing his, it, she's rubbing she's him out. She's massaging his old tendons. Yeah. 
I think you're supposed to think there's something going on there. I will say during the New York Comic Con screening, when you have that shot of the desk and she's leaning over, everybody was like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then when they were real, everybody laughed. And I think that's what you're supposed to think. Yeah, you're supposed to think it is, but it's not because I think what is going on with this uh, situation is like, it's like down Abbey if everyone has had a lobotomy yes. or something. Like everyone is acting so odd. I'll just run through. Like he has his two uh, servants. He's getting a thigh rub. Um, they're celebrating his anniversary. He's naked. He's naked. Um, he gets a nice cake. The the male butler uh, gives him a horseshoe. Like Instead is this the knife. right thing? And he's like, no. And like oh, I should have brought a knife. That's very strange. He get they get him a watch, and he says he's been writing a play called The Watchmaker's Son. Yes. So uh, the one crack in the veneer here is when they give him the cake, they say, we baked it with that honeycomb you got for us, and he tastes it, and it's clearly disgusting. Yeah, he does not like it's it. It's awful. And that's the one moment where he seems uncomposed. Yeah. The sense that I get is... Like we talked about earlier, maybe it's Dr. Manhattan trapping him in this like time bubble weird thing and forcing him to go through stuff. Maybe his mind has broken. Certainly, he's in a very weird place at the end of Watch with the Book, so that could have happened over the course of 30 years. Uh, but there's certainly something going on with his servants that is not right with them, and there's also something wrong with his character as well. Yeah. Uh, the Watchmaker's Son thing, I do think, points to the potentiality that he is Dr. Manhattan Manhattan because in the comic book, Dr. Manhattan is originally a guy named John Osterman who is a watchmaker's son. Yeah. So Uh, that might make a certain amount. Also, we heard a lot of like taking throughout the episode. Audio did. Yeah. The TikTok start in this next scene, um, where, uh, uh, Regina King's character and uh, Don uh, Nashbridges are Don hanging Johnson. out. They are having dinner with the fam. There's a lovely um, song. We get uh, the, well, the shot, repeated shot is a, it looks like a clock from above, a lot of circle imagery. The ticks start happening here and it feels tensions building, building up to this uh, last sort of sequence. We get the American Hero story, um, a the animated trailer for that, uh, which was cool, despite Pete's uh, hating it. Well, I just, I get it. Mer- yeah, American Heroes, Minutemen. Well, you know, there was like three or four ads for it. I'll tell you what, I episode. think we're going to see a lot more of it as we go on. 100%. Cool. Um, we get... Uh, I like ads. Nash Bridges. It's, it's not an it's ad. It's not an actual it's ad. It's an ad. It's not, a, it's not a separate show. When you watch Saturday Night Live, are you like, fuck this funny commercial? <laughs> Is it funny, though? Wow. Wow. Interesting... What did you think about the fact that in the middle of the Jeremy Irons thing, he said, watch Insecure? <laughs> that made sense to me. Because yeah. yeah, he's insecure. He's insecure. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. it makes sense. He lived in L.A. for a short time. And then the butler is like, I prefer ballers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just just the series just ended. Uh, you can catch up on all of it. Did you it's remember that? HBO now. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Kind of surprising that nobody except Elizabeth Warren talked yeah. about this show. Anyway, back to your thigh massage. Here's your horseshoe. <laughs> uh, so they uh, we moving forward. Um, Nash Bridges gets his uniform on. Uh, talking more about mask costume. It feels like yeah, the cop is alive somehow. We know he got shot. It feels like times. he's knows he's building up to this. A yes, but there's something's happening here where he is presenting himself in this. And certain the music. Way. I mean, not that Trent Reznor is like I'm going to compose some happy, carefree music, but it's certainly extremely ominous here. And well, Nine Inch Nails was sort of a jam band. Yeah, sort of the string cheese incident. Of the oh 90s. wow! <laughs> right. I was going to say Pahish, but all right. Nice. Yeah, it's good. 
I uh, for my kid's last birthday party, we just played some Nine Inch Nails. Oh, nice! Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say what you were definitely going to say. <laughs> <a minute ago. laughs> uh, uh, but it does feel very ominous, and it feels like he hears that this cop is woken up. It certainly feels like the way that they pace out the scene with him putting on the uniform, driving past uh, all of these lit pylons by himself. There's an army of officers outside. Yeah, who are just taking a break, smoking cigarettes. Like, yeah, but out. not really. Like, uh, what I get from it, from that scene, is he is going to go kill this guy. Like, that is the implication that I took away from there. Obviously, there's a big swerve. I think he's just going to give him a hug and is going to be like, I'm so glad you're alive. Mm, That panda guy kind of cost you your life. Ever since I saw Nash Bridges and Tin Cup, I've been suspicious of him. Yeah, that guy's up to no good. You know that Panda is just kind of like holding the button, letting go too early, just being an asshole. Really focusing on Panda. Hold the button down so we can release the gun. Like, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys at the elevator who. Says, oh, I pressed the button, but he actually didn't he press didn't it hard press enough. It. And then you're always waiting. Press the I will say, button. I just looked up uh, Don Johnson's filmography. It's shocking to me, Pete, that you haven't mentioned that Don Johnson uh, played the voice of Lieutenant Falcon in G.I. Joe the movie. Yeah, that everybody like... knows that, though. <laughs> okay. wow. Oh, yeah, Jesus that's not Christ. even worth I mentioning. Mean, that's Ravi. Okay. One of the uh, greatest roles he's ever done. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's such range. Yep. Lieutenant Falcon, a famous Joe. Yes. Dude, how dare you? When you think of G.I. Joe, you think of uh, Snake Eyes. Good. And then <laughs> Lieutenant Falcon. It's good. Wow. And then wow. Tiger Woods. What? <laughs> really oh, come on, man. It. He's the Roll third G.I. Joe, I uh, think. Yeah, I think so. Shipwreck? Yeah, he had a golf club. Did you come say on. Roll Cop? Roadblock. <laughs> Roadblock. Oh that's my really? God. That's a real G.I. Joe? Yeah, dude, are you serious right I now? I am serious. When I grew up, I Sergeant played... Sergeant Slaughter? Come I on. played so often with now my voice of Lieutenant Falcon action figure. Because <laughs> 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 it was one of my favorites. Uh, so Lady he, J? Come on. Yeah. Stop, I, I stop mean, naming I'll, stuff. I'll you can name stuff I later. I would use my Lieutenant Falcon voice figure and my The Postman figure. Snow job? Oh, Cup. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so many great scenes with Tin Cup uh, I could talk about. Uh, there's a time when he makes it in the cup, and then a time when he misses it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the tough part is when he keeps sitting in the water. Don't you talk to me about Tin Cup. <laughs> oh, I'll talk to you. I didn't lecture you about it. Snake Eyes or whatever. Like, Tin Cup is mine. No, that's mine. Uh, so... He also says to his wife, don't worry, I'll have the guys bring me, and then he's driving alone specifically. He drove. He he's, shouldn't have. He's up to no good. I think so. The death of Judd is maybe the mystery in the same way the death of the comedian was. I think you mentioned that. His uh, truck gets uh, flat tired. Um, he we cut to Regina King, who's having sex. Um, good for her. Good for her. Yeah. She's earned it after that fight. Yes. Well, here is a thing to talk about here is... We spent a lot of time with the comic book talking about its treatment of its female characters, whether it gave them agency. This, to me, the way that Regina King's character in particular is treated in this pilot, and the fact that, frankly, the way that they stage the scene, that they're having sex, she's on top, she is in control of everything. That is a, to me, a shot across the bow. That is a clear statement in response to the way that Six Spectre and other characters are treated in the original yeah. book, that they're saying, like, nope, Sister Knight is not like that. We are going to give the female characters agency. They are in control of their sexual and physical destiny. At the very least, Sister Knight. We may meet other characters down the well, road. Well, what sucks but... is you've got that, which is a powerful, great female character, and then you got the master scene when she's rubbing and tugging them, and it's like, oh, come on! Again, she's giving come on, him Watchmen, a Get it massage. together. Yeah. I... The reason I didn't take that away at all is Tom Meissen's character, who's the butler, 
I could very easily oh, see Oh, just because there's a third guy watching makes it okay? No, I'm saying no. he but probably does that on every he other day. He does the other leg, dude. Yeah. Uh, that'll be a you big reveal. You got two legs. That's a big surprise, right? Big reveal. Oh Jeremy God. Irons has two legs. Two legs, four hands. Oh, man. Maybe he's not Adrian Veidt. Maybe he's Jimmy Two Legs. She's wearing the French maid outfit. She's on her knees, rubbing and tucking. That's you, man. That's, you. That's on you, Pete. Yeah. Uh, she gets a phone call um, where she's been basically her identity has been outed, and they the person says go to this. Uh, a creepy guy on the phone tells you go meet you by the tree. You're just going to show up. That's your plan. She's, she's a terrified. Yeah, she's well. Very she's scared. terrified, but also badass about it. They have that great shot of her getting the shotgun out of the bed, which so is cool. amazing. Oh, so awesome. good. Uh, but she tells her husband, she's like, "You shoot anybody who comes down the walk who's not me." Uh, but he, whoever this guy is, he calls her. He knows. Her identity. He knows who she is. So she's like, nope, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to fucking kill you is the way that I took that. Yeah. And uh, she gets there and she she finds uh, Louis Gossett Jr. from oh, earlier. Um, he's With holding a note. note uh, that, so he was the kid and implied that he was the kid that from escaped the from Tulsa, yeah. the Tulsa riots. Um, Nash Bridges is dead. Blood drips off of him onto his badge, comedian style. Yes, yeah, and that's how we end the episode. Uh, who who do you think Louis Gossett Jr. is? Because I got a theory. Oh, you have a He's theory? Louis Gossett Jr. from Iron Eagle. Uh, <laughs> come on. Yeah. That would be a crazy reveal if it was him playing himself. Oh, Go. I think he's Hooded Justice. Ah, that's cool. Because you see that first scene, that's kind of how uh, Bass Reeves... Bass Reeves, yeah. Bass Reeves, who, if he's that kid, I believe that's his dad. Oh, right? that's great. His dress. So I think he took that off. You have the noose. He's hanging Don Johnson at the end of the episode. And I believe his colors are the same as the colors on the Hooded Justice uniform. The ba- Bass Reeves character? Uh, or the no, colors no, he's wearing? Louis Gossett Jr., the robes he's wearing. I was in a red. He was in red in the wheelchair. No, I think, but I think that's a great theory. I think so. That would make so much sense. Yeah. And that's certainly a character that we don't spend any time with at all in yeah. Watch of the Comic Book. So it would make sense to plumb into that a little bit. And the character that put together the Minutemen, right? Or, or he, he was, no, he was the first superhero that emerged. Right. So, like, sort of started the whole. Right. So, dealing with that and dealing with the origins of heroes yeah. might be something that they could effectively deal with in this show, I think. Yeah, that's a great theory. I love that. Cool. And that's how we end the episode on that badge. Any final thoughts about the episode before we wrap up here? I'm just super excited by everything we saw, and I can't wait to watch more of this. Uh, it's a hell of a time to be alive. This is a great comic book. I mean, you know, well, life might seem like your, a... Reinvigorate your life. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, life might be a dumpster fire, but this show is phenomenal. And the fact that, like, comic book nerds who've read this and now get to see this show, it's very enjoyable. Is that you or the Coke talking? Both. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's great when you line up. <laughs> if you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash a comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we'll watch you as we talk about The Watchmen. What, dude? Stop yeah. making it sound so creepy. No, no, I'll massage their thighs. Just like oh, yeah, a little bit. That's nice. Just Come a little on, bit. Like a little just a nice, massage. innocent thigh massage. Yeah, oh. if you pledge on our Patreon, the $25 level is I come to your house and massage <laughs> your thighs. But he doesn't leave. You're an 
asshole. <laughs> never he leaves. never leaves. You can check us out on Facebook and on Instagram at Watchmen Watch Podcast. On Twitter, Watchmen Watch One. Uh, also, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And just as a note, these episodes will aim to roll out after the episodes airs, but we're going to aim also aim to do a shorter bonus episode just in the Watchmen Watch feed uh, that will talk about the promo for the next episode, so some predictions, and yes. we'll also take your theories and comments. So hit us up on Twitter in particular or in the Patreon Slack, and we'll read some of those on the next podcast episode. We would love to hear from you all. And remember, we taped this podcast 35 minutes ago. Now we'll turn it over to Pete to continue naming golfers. Pete? BJ Singh. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got? That's all? You had one left in the uh, chamber? Here it is. Embarrassing. Uh.